0: Ruh This is The Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast about the stock market, the economy, and the various market forces powering the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time, you know, an interesting situation where it looks like our outlook for 2024 is finally starting to take shape. After earnings season finally took shape this week, we're seeing a lot of really bullish signals for 2024, as well as solid inflation data driving the market upward. But next week is our big test when we finally get a better, more concrete outlook from Jerome Powell when we get the FOMC meeting come midweek and all of the sort of major companies in the mag 7 actually reporting next week as well a lot to unpack here as we understand both sort of the defensive plays in 2024 as well as sort of the ai outlook as well and to help me unpack that as always i'm joined by justin kramer ceo co-founder and chief analyst here at mobi.co justin man great to have you back on it's been kind of an insane transition from 2023 to 2024 how you feeling man where are you calling in from
1: yeah, it's been uh, it's definitely been a bit of a transition going into the year end when things were quiet. Markets obviously finished great last year. You know, Nasdaq absolutely crushed expectations. So did the S and P. Most major indices were well above what anyone expected going into 2023, and now going into 2024 with valuations kind of being a lot higher than anyone thought they would be. Now there's like kind of this era of doubt. It's like you know, AI, there's these other like good talents, but at the same time, things are now expensive again. And by no means are we out of this like potential recessionary period. So definitely an interesting time for a lot of investors not really knowing what to do. Should they be put in capital work? Should they not be, you know, risk-free rates are pretty high. And so, There's a lot to kind of like consider, so I'm excited to kind of dive into it today.
0: A lot of what we saw in terms of the stock market coming back in the last year has been mostly the bond empire crumbling, like bond yields are absolutely crushing our ability to money into equities around september and october but since then that has completely thawed bond yields are still hovering above four percent but inflation's looking a little bit under more under control cpi in january for december came back a little hotter than expected but then today we got pce inflation which cooled off a little bit more pce inflation's only up 2.9 percent a year so in some aspects especially the fed's preferred inflation targets we're seeing inflation be you know exactly within those targets so that's great to see More progress to come. GDP is also somehow doing great, uh, growing way better than even we expected in Q4 of 2023. So the American consumer remains undefeated. Can that last? A lot of questions there. But it's really interesting to see that more signs are pointing towards bullish than bearish. But of course, these things can shift at a drop of the hat here. But let's look at more of our specific 2024 outlook here, Justin. So a lot of things are kind of unchanged. Like if there is a lot more inflationary pressure and the Fed has to keep uh, rates higher. We're probably going to see you know, a much, much slower rise here, maybe even like a complete capitulation for the bull run. But when you look at this, are there any sectors in particular that you're going to be watching for more outsized growth in 2024 now that we're seeing things take shape based on what earnings we've seen so far?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you like rewind to last year, the big themes that we were looking at was reshoring, a.k.a. people bringing back on their supply chains as COVID just completely disrupted the supply chains or global supply chains really in 2020, 2021 and beyond. So that was a big theme for us. And that really has played out and is continuing to play out. Uh, we actually now um, our, our imports relying on China has gone down significantly while well. our imports for Mexico as part of NAFTA definitely went up a ton. Um, so you're seeing those play out in real time. So that if there's any disruptions or anything, we're, we don't have to necessarily deal with the issues we have in the past. Um, and so as part of that, um, there, there's, again, the reshoring is a continuing theme for this year and automation is another big theme and AI specifically within both those. So that's going to be, I mean, it's obvious right now, the entire world's talking about it, kind of feels like crypto, you know, circa 2020 and 2021 in terms of how much of tailwinds there are behind it. Um, unlike crypto, there's been some actual use cases, um, whereas a lot of crypto is just speculation. And so there's definitely going to be a lot of speculation in this market too. We've seen people launch like AI pins that you wear in your clothing. I mean, maybe that pans out, maybe it doesn't. But point being, there there's a lot of noise. Um, and then there's a lot of validity too under the scene. So I think the biggest thing that we're watching for is uh, is gonna be actual like deployment of AI. Um, in 2023, one of the biggest things we saw was like generative AI. Um, chat GPT obviously exploded overnight. And so using GPT to come up with ideas, images, so on and so forth was, was really big. Um, but now deploying AI is gonna be, we think like a big, big part of 2024 and specifically like purpose-built AI models that is either running for your company specific data centers at the enterprise level or really starting to provide specific services can for consumers at like their actual device level which maybe if you're listening kind of sounds like more of the same but there are some like really really big like differentiators on why that's like a massive swap the biggest things we're looking for is right now latency has been like a huge issue. Running these massive large language models takes a lot of data. That's why you've also seen like companies like AMD and and NVIDIA blow up overnight because like you need a ton of their chips in order to run these models. Um, So for a lot of the like immediate use cases, basically these AI models are being deployed um, and it's really expensive. Um, So if we can do this at like the local device level, it really does change a lot. And then we can start getting into the world if it's done at the device level where there's more personalization and like better security, mostly for like these personalized experiences. Again, there's kind of a lot then within that. Um, But the biggest things that we're seeing, like in terms of the types of companies we want to invest in within that is like, obviously the chips are huge. Like we just put out a report on AMD. AMD. Like that should be fairly obvious. NVIDIA is so expensive, it'll probably keep rising, but it's really hard for us to see like a massive amount of upside given how much you know, how much of the price is already baked in. Um, so AMD is a huge name we like. There's a lot of, if, if you're not a subscriber, definitely recommend going to our site app.mobi.co or download the app, which is probably a little bit easier. Can read more about it at our price target and so, so on and so forth. Um, another company we're looking at is STM Michael Electronics or ST Michael Electronics. Um, basically, the, the general thesis there is that AI models will ultimately need better power optimization infrastructure. Um, so they're like a huge Swiss-based company that basically is ahead of the game that all people don't know about. So that's going to be a name that we've loved. Uh, Arista Networks is another company we've talked about before. Um, just trying to roll roll off a few here without spending 30 minutes talking about ai um but then there's like gonna be the obvious winners as well google apple they're they'll all be beneficiaries i think it's pretty obvious at this point even ibm is is picking back up if you look at the stock price but i think at the end of the day any company that's touching this space is really going to have an outsized lift in the first phases but by the end of 2024 we'll really start to see the the winners emerge um because right now anyone is touching ai their stock prices is, is being helped, but we'll see the winners, the key players start to emerge and the people who can't leverage it start to fall back. And so I think that'll be one of the biggest themes as this continues to bake out in in 2024. And we'll, we'll keep our eyes on and see how it goes.
0: And audience, to give you an idea of like the thinking there too, I just want to give you an understanding of what deployed AI means. Right now, AI lives almost entirely within the cloud because it just takes these massive, massive architectural systems designed by the AWSs, the Microsoft Azures, and the Google clouds of the world to basically train large language models on enough data to make them actually useful. Then they just kind of live in the cloud, and that latency can be pretty bad in terms of what you might actually need a chatbot to do. So Deployed AI is simply taking less powerful chips, and putting them on-site. Uh, you're seeing this in terms of smartphones right now with Samsung's new S24, uh, Galaxy S24. They're launching with a lot with an NPU in the actual chip itself. An NPU is a neural processing unit, which is basically optimized to run a large language model on-device, reduces latency, helps privacy, and the services that Samsung's offering are very basic you know, you are doing like live translations, that kind of stuff. But it's still like the first genuine advancement we've seen in smartphone technology, I'd say in like six years, like the last six upgrade cycles for smartphones have been basically pointless and this is the first time things have been actually interesting at least from the Android side of the equation of course this very firmly places the ball in Apple's court Apple has been completely silent on the AI side of things but they also have the most to gain from bringing some kind of AI service to the next iPhone especially once we see next week's q1 uh, Q4 sales data so we can see just how well the latest iteration of the iPhone sold a lot of Traders are betting that Apple did did not sell super well. Uh, they're also people are pretty bearish because the you know the uh, Vision Pro is at the early stage of development. It looks super embarrassing. Obviously that's not going to be how they're going to take over the spatial computing space, but it's enough for bears to sort of start feasting and shorting the stock a little bit. It's foolish to do that, right? Like this worked for the iPhone this probably will work for spatial computing once they make it a you know stronger product that's more able to be widely adopted and doesn't cost like $3500 or whatever. So the main thing we need to see from Apple though is some level of AI ambition because that is clearly the where where on device upgrades are going. We got encouraged by that based on things like TSMC's earnings call last week. They put out earnings and their sort of like classic old-school foundry is popping off in terms of revenue. So low-level chip demand, not just AI chip demand, but the stuff you put inside smartphones and regular computers is staying high as well, even in Q4 of 2023. That's very encouraging. People are building out these arsenals of AI systems, so we're really excited to see exactly how the on-device world changes. You, of course, Justin mentioned places like um, like the... Uh, from CES, you have that Rabbit AI device, which is like an AI assistant that you can keep in your pocket designed by Teenage Engineering. You've got a lot of other really interesting aspects here, like Dell basically building AI servers uh, Point at point for various companies. Like Justin said, Arista Networks is completely upgrading their entire networking system so that folks can have low-latency uh, AI servers on site as well. So a lot of exciting development there. And because of that, like AMD... Uh, one of our main plays for the deployed AI revolution has already hit our price target literally two days after we upgraded it. So a lot of volatility in this space there. And to throw a little bit of cold water on it for you guys, at this exact same time, we've seen revenue expectations based on Intel's foundry service go down today specifically. Intel is uh, down 10% because their foundry facing a little bit of headwinds. So maybe the demand isn't that high, but results from AMD... TSMC, NVIDIA, all of these are kind of demonstrating that there's some really, really, there's a huge amount of investment happening in this space. And so by focusing on AI deployment, at least for 2024, you're going to get ahead of. Uh, A lot of the sort of winners and losers that are going to happen once these services hit scale in roundabout 2025. We're very much in the early innings here. And so it's really exciting to see exactly where it's going to develop from there. So that's one of the major themes we're watching that's already paying off. But it's one of those things that can swing wildly based on actual results, especially once Alphabet and Apple come out and demonstrate where they are sort of in their AI journey. Super nervous for Apple, super bullish on Alphabet, um, and excited to see, like, it's Microsoft's world too, as well. Like, they're the top company in the world right now. And they might actually hold on to it at least until the second half of the year, once we understand Apple's more concrete ambitions. But getting back to you, Justin, so that's solid in terms of the good AI ambitions we have. But there is a flip side to that coin too, right? And we saw it this week with Tesla. Tesla also has their own sort of like specific AI ambitions when it comes to visual AI, rather than renting um, AI systems from say an AWS or a Google or whomever—they're building their dojo array themselves. They're dumping billions into R&D as opposed to you know maintaining their margins and doing stock buybacks. Uh, when you look at that, Tesla just got in the absolute just—it's just been battered this week. It's down even uh, all the way to, to like 182 dollars uh, per share. So just a wild sort of fall from grace here. When you look at that, Justin. Obviously, this is just market expectations. The market wants to see better margins from literally everyone, and Tesla is still R and Ding like it's twenty fourteen. Uh, when you look at that, is this is this um, something that Tesla can pull out of here, or is this is Tesla just finding their new level, given they have to keep their margins a little bit lower to maintain price, like uh, a competitive pricing structure here? Like, wh- how do you unpack that, dude?
1: Yeah, so Tesla. I mean, it's just a rough year for EVs in general right now for twenty twenty four, and there's. You know a handful of things that are are really acting as pretty big headwinds so let's like zoom out and then we'll start getting tesla specific so if i want to get as macro as possible you know following the iowa caucuses where donald trump ultimately took you know at least 51 percent of the votes um investors are starting to be nervous about the implications of if he wins is he going to start rolling back some of the clean energy and ira initiatives that was brought forth by, by the Biden administration. Um, that's definitely a little bit more pie in the sky, but that is definitely a very, very valid fear where when he was in there before, he's very pro-coal, a lot of not clean energy based initiatives. Biden is, you know, the opposite of that. And so that obviously helps companies like Tesla. So that's definitely a little bit of a macro fear as zoomed out as you can get, zooming in even a little bit more, um, but still pretty zoomed out is if you look at what other manufacturers and partners are doing. So specifically like looking at Hertz, for example, which is a, a massive massive player in the rental car industry, they're reducing a third of their global EV fleet, which is actually mostly Tesla's, um, following what ultimately was a decision by the European rental car firm 6 to ultimately sell off its EV fleet and replace them with traditional like internal combustion engines, also known as ice engines. Um, And they basically did it because the costs were higher, collision repair and other insurance and related uh, costs were higher. And it just it made more sense than to go back to the traditional vehicles. So that's definitely not helping, again, the macro case for more demand of electric vehicles. And then China also huge, huge importer and exporter of EVs um, looking more macro. China is going to be slowing down their EV exports pretty significantly. Um, really just due to like insufficient consumer demand um, and a lot of the issues that have been happening. So long story short, again, zoomed out, there's just a lot of things going against them right now. Obviously huge tailwinds over the last several years, if not decade. Um, And so this is natural as, you know, like anything, things get overpriced and get expensive. Looking more specifically at Tesla, like outside of the and industry in general, Basically, Tesla is, yeah, you, you talked about it before, but there's more price cuts, what ultimately hurts margins more. Um, there's a lot of potentially EV incentives starting to go away slash weaken slash expire, um, especially, again, if Donald Trump comes into your office. And then because the demand is going down in China, which is you know a place that they buy their vehicles and make their vehicles, that's, that, that's also not helping. So long story short, we hear... A lot of like whispers of of consumers starting to go from EVs back to internal combustion engines, Um, you know, it it definitely just doesn't play out great in the short term for Tesla. Having said all that, we're still we've been investors in Tesla for a long time and will continue to be investors. The EV portion of Tesla, while unbelievable and like we're bullish on that side of the business, there's also just there's a lot more that we really like about Tesla at this point outside of their core auto business. The end of the day, Tesla is a technology company more than they're in an industrial company, and so we've talked about Optimus before and their AI services. We've talked about their like f- their fleet of cars that they can basically make into like the next Uber. Their recurring revenue from that fleet ultimately, then a lot of their home like energy products. Um, I-, I mean, they're just doing so much in the AI space and the robotic space um in like just really like the home energy space and the supply chain space. So like yes, in the short term, definitely like there's a lot of compression and the stock has then subsequently been hit. But in the long run, we're definitely we're definitely still fans. But of course there's gonna be a little bit of a hit to the the price in in the short term if you're an investor. So definitely watch out for that. But um we we have not changed our our stance in terms of being overweight on the name.
0: And this is something that kind of happens in tech, too. And it makes sense based on Tesla's vision. But, of course, given... Uh, The public perception of X and Twitter right now as well, like a lot of stuff is percolating, right? But this is not necessarily how you want a company at this stage to look. So the valuation makes sense right now. But at the same time, it's one of those things that once we get actual clarity on what the return on investment here for the Dojo Array is, then we're going to get a better sense of that. And that should help bring the stock back up. Of course, to help you understand the risk too, like it's much cheaper to rent Um, these server spaces from AWS and Google Cloud because they are constantly iterating and upgrading, whereas Tesla has designed their own chips for the Dojo array, and that's it. It's stuck that way, basically. They're just getting more and more shipments from TSMC. So, in some capacities, despite the fact that The Dojo Array is designed for a specific use case. It gets a little bit more behind and more behind sort of month over month since it's not purpose-built to continuously be upgraded the way that the architecture at AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure is. So definitely something interesting to watch, and we'll have to see if the idea of specialization versus... um, Uh, the cost savings you get from renting from somebody else kind of pan out but definitely a weird moment for tesla stock and we're just excited to see what q2 earnings are like and again have a more clear idea of what tesla's revenue horizon is for ai for the optimus robot so on and so forth again they're also kind of kicking down the, the kicking the can down the road a little bit more in terms of actual growth as well they're talking about gearing up to produce and launch their Gen 3 vehicle, which will be a much more mass market vehicle via their um, factories in both Texas and the ones they're developing in Mexico. But again, that's promising future revenue rather than saying, hey, here's where we're going to improve margins right now, which is exactly what the stock market wants to see. So could be in the wilderness for a while here, could be in the wilderness just for the next quarter. We'll have to see, though, but definitely an interesting time, especially for the whole space. Now, Justin, of course, you mentioned a little bit sort of like the political environment as well. And that kind of gets us into the sort of other big part of our 2024 outlook and definitely the one that you understand a lot better than I do just because of the amount of analysis you've done in this space. And that's our defense outlook. Obviously, things are getting pretty complicated both uh, in Europe as well as in the Middle East. Um with just everything that's happening. And so one of our other top picks just reported earnings as well, and that was L3 Harris, sort of a uh, overlooked defense contractor. I'd love to sort of get your view in terms of how we're thinking about the defense outlook, especially since things are, you know, they're looking a little spicy right now in terms of both NATO and just our inability to avoid World War III uh, with Iran at this point. <laughs> so, like, what, uh, by the way, what's your what's your spot bet on World War III at this point? We're we looking at over under 20% chance. How are you feeling?
1: I mean, I just, it's hard to even address that. There's so many things going on, obviously, as just somebody who uh, is a human being, definitely want to avoid that if possible. But yeah, I mean, tensions, I feel like they just rise daily, weekly, monthly, you zoom out and just like, how did we get here? Um, There's just been the Russia stuff, Ukraine, the Middle East, uh, now Iran, it's just people are taking sides and it's definitely a little frightening. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But in terms of what you're asking before on like the defense contracting space, yeah, this this is a huge play for us in 2024, like one of our biggest plays, if anything, outside of the AI space. Um, point being it's it's not nearly as sexy, but it's also not gonna be as bust potentially as AI could be for a lot of companies. Like it's more tempered upside for sure, but it's coming with significantly less downside. And the the huge name that we're looking at is L3 Harris. Um you know, they're a company we've been following for a while and kind of where they're sitting valuation expectations for last year and expectations going forward, it really makes sense to initiate a big position in them now. And so looking at them specifically, I think exactly what you're saying, tying in like basically the geopolitical realities we're facing right now, it's kind of hard to deny that 2024, you know, we feel more secure than in 2023. Uh, Again, we just touched upon it very briefly, but what's going on in the Middle East, Eastern Europe, other parts of the world, it's it's very, very frightening, and obviously we don't want World War III. But should should that happen in some capacity, even a full blown war, or just like more conflict, you know, these are huge. They're a massive supplier um, of the the goods and products that our U.S. military uses. After that, like getting again zooming more in, going from top down to to getting to them specifically, they have a massive balance sheet, which is going to be huge in an area that is very, very expensive. Basically, after a year of a massively reduced budget for the U.S. specifically, they're projected to actually increase their budget huge this year. Um, looking really closer, we're seeing 3% year-over-year growth, which sounds insignificant, but when you think about how big the U.S. government's defense budget is, that's huge. There's $106 billion supplemental request, which includes $50 billion of investment in the U.S. defense industrial base, and if that gets passed on top of that, it's actually going to be six percent incremental growth, not three percent. But if you think about how insanely large the budget is already, six percent goes a very, very long way. So that's uh that's a big thing we're watching for is basically just budgets. And then also, again, the geopolitical is something else we're we're gonna be watching for. And then specifically that balance sheet then gets affected for. L3 because they've been stockpiling cash for all of last year because the US government just wasn't spending. So this year they're planning on buying back a lot of their stock, which we're projecting can increase their stock price by 10 to 20% alone just on the buybacks. And then they're going to be making a lot of like investments this year um, in terms of modernizing their own systems and basically getting them up to date for modern military warfare. Um looking closer, again, talking about the budget. The United States leads the ranking of countries with the highest military spending, which is $877 billion. And that's more than China, Russia, India, Saudi Arabia, United Kingdom, Germany, France, South Korea, Japan, and Ukraine all combined. So it's pretty insane how much money we spend on this. And again, that's why we think L3 is in a position to ultimately like drive a lot of value. So why them though, over other defense contractors? So we think estimates for L3 are way, way, way too conservative. Um, we think they're, this is a classic move that they've done is under promise and over deliver. And we think they're setting themselves up for a huge 2024. They also have a huge, a huge shareholder agreement, which to most people might seem insignificant. Um, but they're bringing on D.E. Shaw as like an active investor. Um, And they, I mean, basically active investors try and buy a rock bottom valuation, change the company and sell it more. So we actually view this as kind of a a bull case for them. And then this is another huge differentiator for them versus you know Lockheed Martin and and the rest is that their contracts are like literally better than everyone else's. Um, Most contractors usually set up multi-year deals, um, which obviously benefits them because they're getting recurring revenue year over year. L3 has a lot of deals that are actually kind of up and they're renewing as we speak. And so they can actually reprice now that inflation has made their costs go up so much where the other defense contractors won't be able to. So they'll be locked into prices at significantly lower margins than L3 will be able to renew their their end, which is huge. And then at the end of the day, L3 is just a great defense company. Um, They're a leader in defense technology. They just acquired fairly recently Aerojet Rocketdyne for $4.7 billion. And they're at the forefront of really controlling the entire missile market potentially. So we believe this is a great investment right now. It's a great way to play global instability um, and honestly just hedge what's going on in the world. Uh, relatively low risk pick with with a good amount of upside. They're they're a top play for us this year.
0: And that's something really to keep in mind as well. Just like it's not just sort of the environment; it is also how these companies have kind of positioned themselves over the past few years. So we're really excited to see just how this development plays out. But it's really cool to see various sectors of the economy really push back towards recovery. And hopefully that we can also see wage growth kind of begin to catch up now that sort of the supply side issues of inflation are beginning to cool off a lot as well. So we're still dealing with those reverberations from our initial supply chain collapse of 2020, but it's cool seeing the pieces begin to really fall back together. And we're also seeing just the astoundingly deflationary effects that um, AI is already having on the market. I want you to go ahead and check out our latest. Once, once, you, once this report comes out, folks, wait until tomorrow for our, Intuit strategy. We're going to kind of explain how AI has completely changed the nature of the composition of most organizations in America, America especially right now, and how that can be very deflationary, but also a huge opportunity for businesses like Intuit that are, you know, prepared to offer as much upside for growing businesses as possible, especially ones that are poised for efficiency. So a lot of really exciting elements there. Go ahead and check us out over at app.mobi.co. Sign up for a free trial today and get more of our long-term perspective from that. But otherwise, Justin, well, that's kind of bring us to time we covered a lot of ground today 2024 is going to be absolutely massive hopefully you know not too insane hopefully things cool off a little bit more but any anything else we should be mindful of going into 2024 justin anything else we should be watching as this year takes shape or is that a good place to end it dude
1: i think that's a good place to end it the only other thing i would add is you know it's Amazing, we got through a podcast without talking about Jerome Powell inflation in the Fed for the most part. Well, that's tomorrow, so that's you know, that's gonna happen yeah. t- uh, next week, so wait until yeah, next Wednesday. I just think, yeah, it's yeah, for sure. I just think, like, you know, for most people, again, that's you know, even though we didn't talk about it, Peter touched upon it briefly in the intro, it's still more important, just as important as it's ever been. Um, again. With rising rates, or even sorry, flattening rates to decreasing rates, it has an entire verberation. It has a ton of verberations in the market. How that affects the housing market, people's personal income, how they spend, how that then ultimately affects companies. It it, it like it it's really snaps throughout the economy. And we're like we're seeing a fairly resilient economy, but again, like we haven't seen decreasing rates yet. So that's something we're we're continuing to keep our eye on, and we'll keep you updated.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the other thing to watch, too, audience, because Jerome Powell can just come out next Wednesday and torch this whole rally by either saying, hey, we're not going to lower rates until, like, July, or I'm raising rates right now, actually, inflation's too hot, sorry, fellas, and just, you know, torch the whole game, but we'll have to see. It's really all, all of, a lot of this rally is based on the speculation that we may actually see rate cuts as soon as March, but if those get delayed to, like, May, June, July, probably won't hurt that much, but... Uh, Of course, raising rates and sort of hotter inflation based on supply stuff would blow everything up. Regardless, audience, that's a great place for us to end it. We're not going to baselessly speculate. Just come back next week when we discuss exactly what happened in Jerome Powell land. Um, There'll be a lot more to discuss next week, too, with all the major meat of earnings season hit. Otherwise, audience, we really appreciate your time. Just so you know, this podcast is produced and hosted uh, by me, Peter Starr. All of the intellectual value of this podcast, though, comes from our analytics team, our analysis team, which is headed up by Justin Kramer, our CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Mobi.co. If you want to get more of our long-term perspective, make sure you check us out over at app.moby.co. At the same time, if you want to hear us more on the day-to-day, find us over at Instagram, instagram.com slash invest where we sort of break down what's happening minute by minute in the market via graphs and whatever else. Otherwise, audience, we really appreciate 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 your time. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we like to leave you with peace, love and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.